I think that it's both easy to hate me and it's also hard. If you watch my show or read my tweets or whatever, I, I'm still kind of humorous. I'm not really a zealot and it's, it's just how I am. Welcome to the Conservative Curious Podcast, where we uncover niche thinkers at the intersection of philosophy, tech, and culture. I'm your host, Jessica Dang, alongside my friend and co-host, Ani Pai. In this episode, we talk to Josh Lakash, host of Wrong Opinion, a podcast that blends pop culture, viral videos, politics, humor, and deep philosophical musings. Josh tells us about his red pill moment, why he's Gen Z's favorite internet dad, who would get his vote between Trump and Kanye, what makes him feel the presence of God, and why men should never wear flip-flops. On your podcast, you have what the kids these days would call really based opinions. Have you always been this right-leaning? I'm 33. I, I started getting into politics 20 years ago, and I've been very consistent up until 2016. I'll tweak my views every now and then, as, as anyone should when they get older. But I was a libertarian. I was a live-and-let-live libertarian. I always thought that if we just gave libertarianism a chance, then people would be a lot happier. If there was little to no taxes, which I still agree. I still think the government should be a lot smaller. But slowly, I've been starting to realize that we have been living in a live and let live environment, and it hasn't been working. Like, what was your red pill moment? When, when was it? The red pill moment was right before Trump's election. I saw how people were starting to get crazier and crazier. Actually, I'll go back a little bit. My real red pill moment was around 2013 or 14. I was in a horrible relationship with this girl who is like eight years older than me, a militant feminist. I wasn't even familiar with feminism. I was like, yeah, women's rights. Cool, whatever. But she would start saying things like 25% of women get raped in college. And I was like, that can't be true. I don't have the information, but that seems like no one would send their girls to college if that was the case. So I started doing research. And then I found this guy, Milo Yiannopoulos, who had 9,000 followers on Twitter. I befriended him. I I became friends with him in real life. And he started talking about Trump. Before that, when Trump entered the race, I liked him as a meme. I thought this is hilarious. I I like I'm a rabble rouser. I like people like that. I I don't like people who are too vanilla. It's it's boring. You can't accomplish anything. It's not persuasive. You, You need to be a little bit out there to be persuasive. Milo was on the Trump train, but for real, when I was around him more and more, I started to realize, oh, we need someone like this. Uh, you, you can be Ron Paul or Rand Paul and talk about how we need to abolish the IRS, but you're never going to convince anyone. And then I started to shift my views to where I think culture is more important than politics. Andrew Breitbart said it, politics is downstream from culture. And I've never looked back ever since then. In your case, I think red pill would probably refer to, you know, in our time, it means something way different probably than it did even a few years ago, right? For you, it would have been like, just really like, wow, I was living in a, this matrix of all these ideals people had to put on me and you just saw what was out there and that it was a complete lie. It definitely has changed its meaning. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the 2016 version. It's crazy how things have gotten in just four years or less than four years. Sometimes on your show, you'll talk about how 
you put your views out there, but then you'll get this backlash from people who are your friends. Have you been able to red pill anyone? Uh, not really friends. Those friends that you're referencing are people who have dumped me and I've known since the early 2000s. I am a Nazi to them. I'm done. And it's funny because they look at this stuff as fashion. And I think that that is very dangerous. For instance, BLM. BLM is fashion. It's what is in right now. It's very easy to get in and to be sucked into it and to believe it. Your views are prepackaged and uh, you don't really have to question anything. So with regards to people I know, yeah, I've been dumped and I don't care. It's dead weight anyways. You know, I have a very tight, close knit group of friends who will be my friends forever. Other than that, they're superfluous. But who I have been able to persuade are the people sticking around following the Sadwater account, because that's why I post my wrong opinion promos. And a couple times a week, I'll tell them to submit questions and I'll answer them. For some reason, parents are very lazy and don't talk to their kids about important things. It's almost like I'm their internet dad where they feel comfortable enough to ask me certain things and I'll give them straightforward answers. They've never even heard that as an option, what I tell them. They've never heard porn is bad or masturbation is bad. And, and by the way, I'm not coming at it from a, from a religious dogmatic standpoint. I'm coming at it from a realistic practical standpoint where constant dopamine hits aren't good for you. Going back to the doing what feels good thing is not good for you. And in order to grow as a person, you need to overcome certain things and you won't by staying in a perpetual state of adolescence. Where do you get that from? Your own dad? No. Well, it's. I was talking to my dad about this a couple days ago. I, I said, Pa, you, for instance, with, with drugs, with uh, smoking or marijuana or whatever, I, I told him, I'm like, you would tell us any degenerate can just do it, which is an interesting premise to start off with. Like, okay, but go on. I want to know more. We always had dinner together as a family every night, probably minus Sunday night. I forgot why. And we'd always have these conversations. But with certain things, he never went deeper. And I feel like I'm picking up the, what's the, what's the saying? Man, torch. the torch. Yeah. And, and I'm picking up where he left off and I'm going deeper with it. Kids are exposed to much more now than when I was a kid because of the internet and social media and all that. I feel like they can handle a lot more at a younger age. People should be out in the real world earlier and really like skinning their knee and like getting to see what real life is like. But yeah, if they don't have that, then they have you. Or like the other internet dads. Like I know Milo called Donald Trump daddy. And I, I know that Jordan Peterson has this dad vibe as well. Yeah, maybe people are looking for father figures. I'm very worried about where everything is going. I really hope when I have kids, I don't want to be lazy. I don't think it's good to expose these sorts of things to kids at an early age. Yes, they can handle a certain amount of things. But if you look at the suicide rates, they're getting higher and higher at a younger age. You have kids comparing their lives to all these other people who are their same age. And and they're only getting the nice parts of their life. They're saying, oh, these people have such better lives than me. They have such more glamorous lives than me. Trust me, I know celebrities. Not only are they dumb, but they're miserable. So going from libertarian live and let live to what would you call yourself now? Is it conservative or? I'm a registered independent. I've never been a part. I mean, I I was briefly a part of the libertarian party, but I I never want to be a part of a party ever again. Like your worldview, would you consider yourself? Yeah, I would consider myself an America first paleo conservative. It's hard right wing. It's hard right wing. What made you think there's something to being traditional? It was a natural progression. And then it kind of hits you all at once. 
you start realizing that the, the people who are live and let live are the most miserable people. People who are atheists are the most miserable people. And they make fun of all these conservatives as uh, backwards anti-science. But if you look at the people who get married younger, have kids, go to church. Look, I'm not religious. I don't go to church, but I see that it works for the majority of people who do. Conservatives and religious people tend to give more money. They don't rely on government to give to people. They tend to be more community oriented. The word community has been hijacked by the left. You hear them say it all the time. But what community are they talking about? I don't see a community out there. They are very, very miserable people. The numbers are there. You can find the statistics. It's astonishing. Back in the day, I used to think, oh, well, if people just did what they liked and, you know, slept around and, you know, did drugs but weren't addicted, they would be a lot happier. And and the opposite is true. It's kind of like when you raise kids, they thrive off rules and boundaries. But if you let a kid kind of do whatever they want, they're going to be shitheads and they're going to grow up to be shitheads. You're not raising a good person. I can attest to that, by the way. I have great parents. They're still together, but they were very lenient. In my 20s, I was a DJ in South Beach in, in Miami. I would go out and party five, six days a week. And it's funny because I was cleaning out my computer and I was looking at old videos from the DJ days the other day. And I'm like, man, I was so stupid. I'm a completely different person than I was even 10 years ago, which that's how it should be. You should never stay stuck in one certain era. You're supposed to grow as a person. So I look at these people and it's like, what, what's the point of doing anything? Like, what's the point of rejecting having a family? What's the point of, of anything after that? You're not going to be the same person you were the first 40 years of your life. You're not going to be the same person the second 40 years of your life. Yeah, it's kind of clear to me that like a life without any morals is not really a life. It's kind of just you're just living day for day. That's why when people say, oh, live like the millennial thing, you can you can kind of characterize that by like live like you're going to die tomorrow, right? YOLO. But the real way you should do it is live like you're going to live forever because then you actually treat people well and you actually have some long term like oh, you know, maybe I should do what's best for other people, not just be a hedonistic. That's something that's lacking. And maybe now that's coming back, I think, with Gen Z. I hope so. I mean, like the rejection of porn is a very good example. The fact that you can convince Gen Z way quicker to reject porn than you can a millennial. They're very set in their ways, whereas Gen Z is a little bit more open-minded with regards to that kind of stuff. The whole YOLO thing, live your best life. It's all these mantras that sound nice or self-care or, or adulting. Um, you're, you're congratulating yourself for doing your laundry. You're, you're supposed to do your laundry. That's not adulting. That's just being a normal person, a productive person. Everything that millennials do, we're supposed to congratulate you for, for like making your bed. My bed is made. I make my bed every day. I, I, I wake up right away. The first thing I do is I make my bed. This, this stems from narcissism. Part of the whole self-care thing is like a mental health check. Like no one cares about that. You're just a narcissist. Therapy is for narcissists. You get to go talk about yourself for an hour a week to some guy who's not really paying attention and you're just paying someone to listen to you. The dudes who built the Empire State Building in 13 months go home and tell their wives like, I feel so sad and, and, and uh, so insignificant. No, they went home, they ate with their family and they went to sleep and they did their job. No one congratulated them. Yeah, I don't think you solve your problems by talking. It's kind of by doing stuff. You kind of have to work your way out of it, which is what people don't realize. Look, we're living in a very feminized society. And the whole talking about your feelings is a very feminine trait. And I get it. Women do it. It works for them. It doesn't work for men. If anything, it, it's, it brings upon the self-loathing aspect in your, in your life that is very detrimental. When I talk to dudes, when I give them advice and they mention how they're unhappy, I said, well, do, do you work out? Have you quit porn? Do you eat right? 
the best person that can help you, especially as men, is yourself. We're so distracted with social media that there's no time for self-reflection. A lot of people like to talk about meditation. It's essentially a form of meditation. And for people who are religious, prayer is the same thing. It's a moment of self-reflection. So, okay, fine. You don't believe in God. Sit in a chair, put your phone away. Don't even close your eyes, but just think. That's why I like taking showers because you don't have your phone in there with you. And that's where you get your best ideas. When you harp on about certain things that upset you and and you keep burdening other people with your problems, it's the rules of attraction. You're alienating yourself from the people closest to you. It's not an attractive thing. And you're the best person to solve your own problems. You know what else you mentioned, which I thought was really interesting? It was a friend who unfollowed you. You said that she is the type of person who just eats what's fed to her metaphorically. She does it because she doesn't have to think about anything. It's already like served to her. And I feel like the masses, maybe even Gen Z, definitely millennials, are just eating what they're fed. And it's mind boggling to me that no one ever questions anything. I think it's it's a few things. I think one of the aspects is it's out of fear, out of comfort. It reminds me of something I always tell people about voting. I think fewer people should vote. Only the nerds, like the people who this is what they eat, breathe and sleep politics. It's not like there should be a rule to ban people, but this whole thing of encouraging people to vote. Look, if you look at the bell curve, most people aren't impressive people. Most people don't even have time to pay attention to all of this. And if you encourage more people to vote, you're basically canceling out the smart people's vote. And I'm not even talking about to one specific side. I'm talking about to both sides. This is why we have cancel culture within politics. Now, there's no talk about uh, talk about uh, what's it called? Um, Policy or policies. Yes, there's that. Thank you. Uh, There's no talk about any of that anymore. We've made politics a personality. I hate when people put in their bios their political views and all of that. It's the same as putting your pronoun in your bio, because if you boil down your whole being to what you believe politically, then I don't take you seriously for the most part. I think it's lazy, one dimensional. People people are more than just their politics or their religion. Most people are susceptible to being programmed a certain way. We're seeing it with the whole BLM thing, with the whole even the Corona thing. I mean, there's so much disinformation because most people kind of pay attention to it. Most people are too busy with their own lives, so they they only take the headline of something. That's why we can have something like fake news to be as effective now more than ever. Yeah, and I think that the only way that the American system can work, it was originally built for moral people who were involved and engaged in their community. I don't know the solution. Uh, You know, back in the day when this country was founded, I think you had to be a landowner. But then people might say, well, that's racist. Maybe the way to fix it is one vote per household or something. I honestly, I I don't know. Maybe democracy just doesn't work. Maybe we're at the plateau and it just doesn't work. Um, Maybe we should bring things back to a state level. I really I really don't know. People like to make fun of this country and say, well, uh, I remember 10 or 15 years ago, people would say uh, more people voted for American Idol than the last election. Good. I mean, like if more people are invested in that, they should pay attention to that rather than who's running the country. If your votes mattered so much, then everything would look different, right? Then now Trump has won or whatever. Like they were saying, he's not, he's a Nazi. But really what has changed for a lot of people to kind of like, I expected this reactionary president and they got cheaper taxes. Yeah. um, Imagine what Trump would have been able to accomplish if there was no Russia collusion hoax or Ukraine bullshit, if the coronavirus wasn't politicized like it was, if the if the BLM thing wasn't as top down as it is. 
his his presidency would look a lot different. But really, you're you're talking about a guy who, you know, people were predicting war with North Korea. And if anything, he made our relations with North Korea better because he's strong. You can only have this kind of polarized country when you want everyone to be involved in politics. If fewer people were involved, I, I guarantee you this wouldn't even be a thing. No one would care. Uh, people would have been upset about Trump for a day and then they would have moved on with their lives, but they've made it their mission to complain about him every day. I don't think it's a healthy thing. You know, when Obama won twice, the next day I moved on. So separating it from your personality is actually healthier for society. Look, politics is war. This is one of the reasons why there was a major pushback from the suffrage movement or whatever. It was split 50-50, which they don't teach you in school. Back 100 years ago, people knew and respected gender roles. They also re- recognized that politics is war and they don't, it, it goes against the, the, their natural state. So we're seeing now the end result, which is the most unhappy women ever recorded in this country who are abandoning their natural inclination of being nurturers and having kids. And uh, they're just shitty versions of men. If anything, it's not to shit on women. To point out how unhappy they are for being so heavily involved is the most pro-woman thing you can think of. In terms of gender roles, I think that it's better framed as the giver and the receiver Typically, people think that the giver is the woman and the receiver is the man. But actually, like the more masculine energy is the giver, the provider. And people get it mixed up because there are women who are the giver, who have that masculine energy. But then they also want the masculine man. What Jess is saying comes exactly back to this issue today, which is that we have like twice as many women who graduate college than men, and they want a more educated man. So how does that work? It just doesn't. The math is not there. There's only a finite supply of these guys, and all these women want to go up, like you said, right? They want this masculine, like provider, giver. Yeah, and role. they are that person too. They're like, oh, I'm like the director of this or the founder right. of that, and they want to find their match, but it doesn't work that way. And I think that in terms of gender roles, we have to keep in mind that maybe there are men who are designed to be the receiver. So it's kind of like this infinity loop. Somebody has to be the masculine energy to give. The other person receives and gives back. Well, when has stay-at-home dads ever been a thing until now? And also, um, there's statistics to back this up, which I don't know. Off th- I'm not Ben Shapiro. I, I don't know anything off the top of my head that, that indicate that men who are stay-at-home dads get cheated on at an alarming rate. Uh, deep down, that's not what women want. They want a provider. And by the way, I equally shit on men as much as I do on women. I live in Los Angeles. I'll sometimes walk down the street or go to the Trader Joe's near me or whatever. And I I look at men around me and I just shake my head. I'm embarrassed by the state of man today. I'm embarrassed by how soft they are. You know, back in the day, you used to be able to indicate, oh, that guy's gay, that guy's straight, whatever. Uh, Now, I just think most men are gay. (laughs) Even if they're not gay, they're gay. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that in a disparaging way against gay people. I'm just talking about like effeminate men who who it, it, it must it must be due to their diet. It must be due to their environment. It must be due to the fact that they're not exercising. I can tell you that the more I exercise like 10 years ago, me is 30 pounds less than than I am now. And it's not because I'm fat. I put muscle. And I think that there's a direct correlation between the change in my politics and the amount I've changed my routine. Also, 10 years ago, I wasn't eating red meat. I eat red meat every day now. 
you know, what you eat, what you consume, even what you consume entertainment wise, like porn, when you go for that dopamine hit every day, you're, you're going to become a passive docile man. It creates a chemical imbalance. I definitely shit on women right now, but I'm frustrated with both sexes. And what I mean by the the energy, the masculine feminine energy, and it could be a man who has a more feminine energy, but but then you're kind of like, if you want it to work, you kind of have to be okay in that role. And I think what you're saying is the man eventually will not be okay in that role. The women won't be either. They're kidding themselves. You're fighting God. You know, and again, I'm using that as like you're fighting nature. And I always think about a movie that didn't do really well and many people didn't understand. And it was called uh, Only God Forgives with Ryan Gosling. Nicholas Winding Refn directed it. The whole movie is really about him physically fighting God. Ryan Gosling's character in that movie is actually a very feminized person. His mom, he's very submissive to his mom in in almost a, a pedophile kind of way, an incest pedophile kind of way where she probably did something to him as a kid. I keep going back to that because that's literally what we're training men and women to do. You're fighting nature. You're fighting how we were programmed from hundreds of thousands of years of evolution. And all of a sudden, in the span of 100 years or so, we're saying, fuck you, nature. Fuck you, God. But these are people who who believe in science. But wait, you don't believe in basic biology. You, you look at any nature show and you see the gender roles are pretty clear. And, and that has nothing to do with their societal constructs within like the penguin community. That's just how things are. The penguin dad takes care of the kids. They swap. But yeah, they, they, they swap because someone has to sit on the egg at all times. But I mean, go look at our, our closest relatives, the, the apes and all that. And it's or even like the fucking bird. I forgot what it's called, but the bird that that um cleans the floor on the bottom of the in the jungle you know the bird i'm talking about yeah the one that that cleans and then he dances yeah yeah i mean how is that not what we do so when women complain about men approaching them you're complaining about nature maybe maybe you should complain about their um what's it called what's it called their their uh their moves their 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 tactics you complain about their tactics but not that they're approaching you one of the things I talk about also is how dating apps are horrible for the most part. It gives men an out. You, you know, you're, you're, you're taking the hardest part about asking a person out, which is asking them out, and you're letting an app do that for you. How are you supposed to recognize red flags? The nice thing about meeting someone in person is you can look at the indicators. You've attained a filter. The older you get, the stronger your filter gets. But when you let an app do that for you, it's a recipe for disaster. And you're attracting weak men who don't want to approach you in real life. How is that a feminist thing? I don't understand. Okay, so you said that you are not a religious person, but then you have these like really traditional views. You're very pro-family, very pro-life. For a lot of people in America today, they're not really into traditionalism or religion. So I'm not really sure where they would get that foundation from. As a libertarian, I was very liberal. You know, if you take away policy, I was very, very liberal. So I've seen their side and it doesn't work. Look, the only reason I'm not religious or anything like that is because I wasn't brought up that way and it doesn't appeal to me. But I see that for the majority of people, it's greatly beneficial. You have social cohesion. You have a place to go and talk to people every week that that are like minded, which online life cannot replicate. It, It can't even come close. And you're seeing people who are a lot happier. So you could go the hybrid route, which is don't believe in it, but revere it. 
recognize how important it is for social cohesion and for people. The only reason why we're here today is because we tell stories to each other. Religion is stories that that you can pass down. The, The reason why I think something like tradition is important is because the alternative is BLM. BLM is a religion, whether you want to acknowledge that or not, it's a religion. It's a cheap imitation of religion, but it's a religion. And I would rather align myself with something that's been around for a couple thousand years that as humans, we've built the most amazing structures, the most beautiful art, the the, the best, most stable countries ever. Everything that we consume is throwaway. Pop music is the same thing. The thing that was popular even six months ago is garbage. You listen to it and you're like, I don't like this. I want the new thing. So I've even changed my life in that aspect, too. I've been watching older movies. I listen to classical music, not to be pretentious. I just think that it's more appealing. It's godlike in the sense that it's, it's almost unbelievable that man created something like this. And it's sad that with all this technology we have, uh, where's the next Beethoven or Mozart? Where are these people? Where's the next Michelangelo? We, we've traded all of these things for, for superfluous things like uh, modern art, modern architecture. It's all meant to be temporary. Whereas Notre Dame is not, it's meant to be there forever. It's meant to invoke uh, feelings of, of, of like, of awe, you're in awe of being in its presence. I think that it's not even just political. I, it, it stems everywhere. I, it, like I said, politics is downstream from culture. So it's not even just political and it's not really to do with religion. If you can't subscribe to that or want to be a part of that, you can kind of do it how I'm doing it. Here's the other reasoning that I hear. It's about being free and open-minded, but it ends up being a prison in a way because you end up getting locked into the same cycle. Whereas, say, if you do pick a point on the spectrum and commit to it and do the sacrifices and go through all these things, it actually is a freedom because you're experiencing like a whole other spectrum. I'm going to do whatever feels good ends up being a cycle. Yeah, you if you if if you succumb to your animal animalistic desires, you're going to be a slave to them. And it's as simple as that. I was encouraging my one of my older brothers to join a gym. And he was saying something like, well, I don't like the gym or I don't like CrossFit or whatever. And I go, but it's not about that. Like you need to have a sense of community. And I said, anything in life worth having takes hard work. If it's easy, then it's not worth having. That applies to anything in life. And we've been conditioned to think that being unhappy is bad. Hard work is bad. That feeling uncomfortable is bad. But what I've noticed is that pretty much everything that is worth doing is uncomfortable. Again, when I was younger, I was more open-minded and also more miserable. It's funny because the people who espouse their hatred publicly for something like religion don't realize that they joined another religion. The global warming movement and their savior, Greta Thunberg, she's a prophet. She's a martyr or whatever. I mean, she basically sacrificed her childhood for that. Her parents made her. And Mother Earth is your God and all that. Like you are literally subscribing to a newer, shittier religion that is very politicized. BLM is the same thing. The Russians learned this 100 years ago. And uh, I think in, was it Brothers Kazimorov where Dostoevsky is like, everyone has to worship something. So if you guys are not going to worship God, you're going to worship socialism. And then, you know, you have the gulag. And this is the same thing. It's just that we have digital gulags now where we throw people in these like virtual prisons and, oh, you know, this person's life is over. Not really. I mean, you know, they could still do whatever they want in the real world. But that thrill of just, you know, I believe in like going down the list and like, oh, he's a white guy, you know, he deserves to have his career stolen over. And I've had friends been falsely accused for no reason other than they're white. 
Oh yeah, and, well, whiteness is a uh, is original sin yeah. in their religion. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's a mark of the devil, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of on one of my podcasts, I was talking about a new statue in Latvia of a nurse, and and it has uh, sim- like Jesus symbolism in it. The nurse is is like standing with her arms out, like you can't see, but like her arms out, like like Jesus would be. You know how you said that conservatism at this point is beyond socialism versus capitalism? What is it to you? Probably like six months ago, I posed a question on Twitter and I said, hey, conservatives. And and I think that the people who saw this thought like, oh, this is a liberal guy and he's attacking us. I said, hey, conservatives, what are you conserving? All you are is prolonging the inevitable death a little bit. Like in 10 years, you're going to believe everything that liberals are talking about today. So you're not conserving shit. You look at the coronavirus lockdown. Look at how the media frames things. They uh, they clap for people out protesting. That's okay. No one's social distancing. No one's wearing a mask or anything. And then the moment that Christians try to go to church, they are demonized. And around this country, I suggest that Christians should say, fuck it. We're going to church. Arrest us. Let's see how that looks when you put that all over TV. I guess they believe in the system that much. I, I mean, I don't. Again, I mean, politics is a lost cause. I pay attention. It's still interesting to me. But but again, culture supersedes everything. And if you're not out there trying to preserve your culture, your Christian culture or anything like that, then I don't know what the fuck you're doing. So when I asked that question on Twitter, I was getting responses like freedom, independence and all that. And it's like, okay, but what does that mean? Are you really preserving any of that? Because it looks like we just keep conceding to uh, the demands of liberals every 10 years. We just keep conceding. Yeah, we see that now also with the way we interact with everyone else in the world, where the Republican Party is just watered down libertarianism. You can see that in, in their debates with China and how the China relationship has gone over time. All these people are saying the same thing. They're just on different sides of the aisle and they're not really helping the middle class at all because they were both proponents like Joe Biden, you know, famously pro-China in 2000. They're both exactly the same. So yeah, what are they conserving, right? And, and that's why I think Trump is one of the most interesting people in my lifetime or maybe the most interesting person when he was running and he would say things like China's killing us on trade. I thought that was a meme. I thought that was funny. I wasn't really aware of the the real problem, but in reality, cause you know, back then I was still thinking free trade is good. You can't, you can't compete as a nation against a, a, a billions of slaves. It's impossible to compete with them. So basically we just gave China all our manufacturing jobs and called it a day. Why do you think there's opioid addiction in this country? People have no sense of purpose anymore. Also that had to do with the unions and our products kind of sucking and, and all of that. So both parties had a, had a plan. I mean, I mean, uh, Bill Clinton basically did that deal with China in the early 90s. But every, every politician after was basically, uh, it didn't matter what party, they basically bowed down to China. Trump is the only one in my lifetime to fight back and say, no, we need to bring back manufacturing here. Not only did China take all our manufacturing jobs, but they're basically stealing our intellectual property. It's known. You know, they learn everything, which is great. But then instead of staying here, which I think if you're going to go work in this stuff, you should be forced to stay here. Like we have to keep you now that you know all this stuff. The interesting thing about Trump is he's not part of really any political party. The Republicans hate him. And obviously the Democrats hate him. We need people like him. He's a wrecking ball and we need people like him, which is why I think in 2024, if they don't kill him, Kanye might have a chance to be president. And he's basically cut from the same cloth as Trump. It'll be harder to call him a racist. If it were if it were down between Trump or Kanye, who would have your vote? Well, Trump, because he he would win. 
I don't believe Kanye is, I think he's testing the water right now with 2020. I think he's really just right now in the process of learning how it, all of this works and maybe silently aligning himself with specific political operatives. But but I think 2024, again, if they don't kill him, I think that he, he has a major shot. He gets it. Like sometimes he'll say things like uh, when he had his rally and he said that we should give moms a million dollars per kid or something. I'm like, I'm like oh, he just said that. He just pulled that out of his ass right there. But if he sat down with a policy person, he would realize that the real problem with the black community is fatherless homes. And, and really pinpointing the root of the problem is the war on poverty and the welfare system. You know how you asked that question on Twitter? I would say that conservatism to me does have a libertarian angle to it. We do respect everybody's right and freedom to live the life that they want to live. I think that conservatives want to conserve traditional values that are being infringed upon or trying to be erased. So I think that's what conservatives are trying to conserve. Yeah, but but they're doing it the wrong way because they have yet to recognize that the left won't stop until they're completely eradicated. Conservatives, typically, they actually want to live their lives and be left alone and all of that. But time and time again, we have seen that that is not how the left operates. I mean, look, the left controls tech, academia, they control media, they control the entertainment industry, they control everything. And anytime there's like a little sliver of a conservative person popping up into their controlled arenas, uh, they eradicate them. There was a, a college professor who it just came out, he committed suicide. He, he said something like he believes in gender roles, like that's the most shocking thing he said. They fired him. And, uh, and then a week later, he killed himself. I don't know if that's completely true. Maybe someone killed him. But really, they want you dead. And conservatives still think it's about capitalism versus socialism. They still think it's about the tax rate. They still think it's about all of that. And it's not. To me, I think Reagan is one of the worst presidents of all time. He had a chance to recognize this as a problem. We have been infiltrated over the past hundred years by people who want to undermine what this country was founded on, and they have embedded themselves in the universities. And he thought it was about weapons and making more weapons than Russia when it was really about ideology. So to him, it was about tax rates and weapons when in reality, it was ideology. Who are your favorite thinkers in this space? Roger Scruton is one of them. He died a year ago. He was pretty much the last great conservative philosopher. He was uh, knighted. He's he's British. He he made a documentary, I think maybe for the BBC. I'm not I, I don't know if I remember that correctly. He made this around 10 years ago. Why Beauty Matters. That had to be one of the most impactful movies I've ever seen. Uh, you guys should watch it if you haven't. It's free on Vimeo somewhere. There's a libertarian documentarian named Adam Curtis. His work is very, very interesting. He he basically get, has access to old BBC footage and he puts them all together and creates documentaries. The last one he made was in 2016, a month before the election called Hypernormalization, uh, which basically predicted the outcome of the election correctly. He made a documentary before that called The Century of the Self, which pinpoints where and how uh, products became part of your personality rather than just a bar of soap. It's why is this bar of soap you, which is really where the era we are living in today. So I would say Adam Curtis for sure. I'm trying to look. I don't I don't. Other than that, I, off the top of my head, I don't know. <laughs> um, there's some interesting esoteric Twitter accounts I follow. Can't remember them off the top of my head, but 
in your pile, I watched it, the one with the Tucker Carlson on the coffee mug. You also had like Bronze Age Pervert. But you said you never read that book. No, I read half of it. And, and it's really hard to get through because he misspells things on purpose. Look, when Trump does it, I think he Trump does it on purpose. He does it to highlight a point. So it makes you kind of go back. Do you remember when he wrote Kofefe? Yeah, I, I don't understand that, but it definitely got attention. Um, Amazing. But, but he'll do that sometimes, I think, because it forces you to kind of go back and reread certain things and not gloss over them. But to have a whole book written like that is... Uh, it's a little bit complicated to read. Maybe maybe I'm not that smart. But I do like some of the things he has to say, and I follow him on Twitter. But I wish there were more people in that sphere kind of working on this, like, how do we bring back this ideal of what we want masculinity to be not accepted as it is? Obviously, some of the stuff he says is very, could be off-putting to people, but there's no other Bible for the modern generation guy, right? No, it's, it's insane to me how lost men are right now. I mean, women too. But uh, I can relate to men a little bit more. Didn't you say something about like a man should never wear flip flops? Yeah, Gavin McInnes says that too. But I've been on that boat before I even knew him. I think aesthetically it's gross. But also you're not prepared for anything. Sometimes I'll watch these videos of the riots happening in Portland, which is now on day 61, I think. And sometimes I'll see dudes wearing flip flops. I'm like, you're in a war zone. What the fuck are you doing? And their excuse is I want to be comfortable. I'll give you a little bit of a trick I do. I do my podcast in my bedroom, but I wear shoes every time I do a podcast because I want to feel like I'm working because if I was comfortable, I wouldn't perform as well. Also, I don't eat before I do a podcast. I haven't eaten today yet, not because I'm fasting or doing that intermittent fasting thing, but because it slows me down. Like, yes, I'm a little bit uncomfortable because I haven't eaten, but I guarantee you I would come off as completely retarded on this podcast if I ate like a burger right before this. When you talked about the flip-flop thing, I was like, oh, I could never sleep naked because like, what if something happens in the middle? Yeah. Also, girls run colder. There are guys who kind of understand that there's like violence in this world and you should be prepared. And then there are guys who just don't understand that. Look, every day of your life, you have a routine. Everything goes smoothly. But it just takes one day for something crazy to happen. Like I was nearly jumped quite a few times and you just wake up and you're like, you know, either you fix that or ideally you just look like the type of person that nobody wants to jump in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Which is why you got to work out as a man. You have to be as imposing as possible. Like you're almost better barefoot than wearing flip flops. Even when I go to the beach, I'll wear Vans. I don't own flip flops. I don't own sandals. I don't own shower shoes or whatever they call it or Crocs or anything like that. It's funny because I I watch all these old movies and I look at men wearing suits every day and I'm like, fuck, I wish we lived in that era. Like, yes, it's uncomfortable, but everyone looked proper. And my my girlfriend would say, yeah, but you don't wear suits every day. I'm like, because I'll look like a crazy person if I did. If I wore suits every day, I would be a crazy person. You look like an L.A. guy, very fashionable, hip L.A. guy. You look like you could be a DJ. But then... You have this thing that Peter Thiel calls the alpha gamma quality. The paradox is that you have these super traditional values. I think that it's both easy to hate me and it's also hard. If you watch my show or read my tweets or whatever, I'm still kind of humorous. I'm not really a zealot and it's, it's just how I am. I dress the way I dress because at a certain point in your life, you kind of just kind of stay stuck there. I wear all black, not because I'm a goth or anything. It's just kind of like what became my aesthetic. But I, I do I do wish we, we went back and we all wore suits and 
we were proper again like i'd shit on women I, i'll think to myself or say that i think they're they're they dress a little too slutty they leave very little to the imagination it's the least sexy thing that they can do but i shit on men equally um, like when you go to an airport and you see a dude with a uh, baggy baggy sweatpants sandals and then a neck pillow and or like even a giant pillow and his excuse is well i want to be comfortable like be a fucking man. You're supposed to be a little uncomfortable. I went hunting in September in Alaska. We roughed it kind of. I mean, we stayed in a cabin thing, but while we were outdoors, we had to climb up a mountain that took three hours to climb and we'd be up there and nothing would happen. And we have to climb back down and do all these things. And it fucking sucked. There were days we didn't see any animals because they can smell it. Like we smell like skunks to to deers. And if the wind is blowing the wrong way, then uh, we're fucked. Our day is ruined. But getting dirty up there, by the way, you feel less dirty climbing a mountain in Alaska than you do walking for a couple hours in L.A. But you feel like the sense of accomplishment, being that uncomfortable, being that dirty, that sweaty and everything in life is really easy. Like we get to travel across the world like this. We get to have warm showers and all of that, but at least one hour out of your day needs to be grueling or you need to be put through something to feel like you survive something or else you're not a man and not everything has to be comfortable. David Goggins. So he's the, well, he's done a lot of things, but he was like the triathlon guy, the guy who was like in the SEAL Green Beret, like he did all of these different various army endeavors and now he's famous exactly for that his army friends have said like i've never seen a guy that intense he's like i'm just gonna run an ultra marathon today like that is real porn to men we'll watch that or hear about that and we'll fantasize about doing that like so like i'll give you an example sometimes i'll uh, when i have my gun on me it's not that i wish anything bad happened but i would sometimes fantasize about if something happened what would i do would i would i like hide or what you know you you never know until fight or flight really kicks in and if you've never experienced that you don't know how you would react you can fantasize about how you would react but you can be a completely different person and you won't really know until it happened one of my fantasies is gosh i wish i could go through a navy seal training program and sometimes i'll just look up their training videos on youtube just because i'm like Ooh, I just, I want that. I want to like imbibe that. Like, I want to be that person who's like, if there's a car accident, I'm going to pull my car over. Yeah, there's a reason why Wim Hof is making millions of dollars. He trains people to embrace the cold and climb Mount Kilimanjaro with just shorts on in 48 hours. And he's taken groups of people to do that. People pay him thousands of dollars to do that. And it's because that is how we are wired. Even women. We've solved so many problems since the Industrial Revolution. That I think we've maybe oversolved problems. I think that a, a lot of these tech companies that exist, for instance, like Postmates, shouldn't exist. Uh, yeah. You're not really solving any problem. You're just adding an extra layer of convenience for people. So the way I talk about it, actually, is that we need anti-productivity software. We don't need more productivity software. Oh, like no, you, definitely not. You, yeah, you should be sending less emails. You should be yeah. aiming to get focus work done. They pretend that they're doing something when in reality, they're just spamming other people and uh, instigating bureaucracy where, no, make it hard to contact people or make it difficult to reach me because I don't want to be solving whatever dumb issue that you just thought of today. Like solve it yourself. And if it's really bad, come find me wherever in the desert or I don't know. Mm -hmm. Do you guys remember the Parkland shooting? The story that really inspired me was a story. I think his name was Peter, but he was 15 years old. He was kind of like this nerdy Chinese kid who was in ROTC. He kept the door open so that his classmates and teachers could run out and he got shot and killed. I just remember thinking, I hope that if shit ever hit the fan, like I'm the person who holds the door. 
the more civilized we get or so-called civilized we get, the more that that kind of behavior gets stamped out of people. But I feel like it's so ingrained in us that many people would surprise people. War is hell. War is definitely hell. But when you have something like World War II that creates like created the greatest generation, they're called the greatest generation. There's something to be said about that. I don't know. I'm not advocating for war, but it's it's so part of human nature that it's uh it's interesting what it can bring out. Your point bringing that the knock-on effect was actually super positive and gave us this world today, but maybe we need that revolutionary change without a revolution. Yeah, and, and look, maybe maybe it's about to happen. We can't go to this tipping point right now and then just go back to normal. There's no back to normal. It boils down to what do you stand for? I've thought about this. It's like if your car breaks down in a shitty neighborhood and you see a group of guys coming towards you, would it make a difference to know that those guys are part of the BLM movement or if they came from a Bible study? The same group of guys. Oh, it definitely would. It 100% would. Yeah. Hey, we're, we're, we're living in really weird times. <laughs> we're living in really weird times indeed. How refreshing was it to hear Josh's unfiltered hot takes? To listen to his podcast, Wrong Opinion, subscribe at patreon.com forward slash wrong OP. And if you want to get some life advice from him, book a video call at superpeer.com forward slash Josh Lecach. That's L-E-K-A-C-H. Thanks for listening. We hope you like this episode. For exclusive content and special invitations, add your name to our list by going to conservativecurious.com. Until next time, stay curious. So I think we're, we're there. Is there anything that you wanted to say that maybe we didn't get to? Not that I can think of. We we covered a lot.